The Athletic. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Now. Coming up, United they fall, Man City show us some razzo-dazzle and Brighton royally defeated. It's Kate Borsay here, joined by former Lioness Sue Smith. Hi, Sue. Hi, Kate. Really nice to speak to you again. And women's football correspondent for Goal, Amy Roshkai. Hi, Amy. Hi, Kev. Uh, now tell me, ladies, as we head into this international break, I want one defining thought from each of you. Uh, we won't see any WSL action for a little while now. So, Sue, what's your one defining thought as we head into the break? Oh, I think Manchester City getting that convincing win over Aston Villa. I think that was uh, something that they definitely needed. And you just feel is that them back on track now, a little bit of time to to regather their thoughts over the international break and and sort of hit the ground running again after that. Yeah, it makes it all the more interesting, doesn't it, when the WSL restarts again. What about you, Amy? I'm looking at that um, that race for that final Champions League spot. If we're saying Arsenal and Chelsea have nailed down the top two, you've got you know, a real open race for that third Champions League spot that Brighton are currently sat in. That'd be, yeah. um, that'd be quite a thing for them in Europe. And it's the most open it's been, well, in the history of the WSL, certainly for a long time, since as far back as I can remember as well. And it will be, as you say, a really exciting race. It's only going to get, only going to get more and more uh, hotly contested. Well, we'll get stuck into the action in just a few moments' time. But during this international break, if you're thinking of doing some Christmas shopping or you need some extra cash to do so, uh, you're in with a chance to win a £100 Amazon voucher for filling out a survey for us. Do you love us or hate us? Let us know what you think of the show by heading to theathleticsurvey.smsinc.co.uk. That's theathleticsurvey.smsinc.co.uk. SMSINC.co.uk. Uh, give us your thoughts on this show or any of the athletic podcasts, and uh, uh, perhaps you could nominate us the best possible podcast ever. Uh, but either way, uh, you get a chance to win a £100 Amazon voucher for your thoughts. Speaking of best possible, it's time for our moments of the WSL with now. Moments of the Women's Super League with now. Watch the big moments from the WSL live with a now sports membership. Well, in a weekend where Sam Kerr showed us Chelsea are backflipping good, last week's podcast Simone McGill saved Everton again and Kirby and Miedemar broke records. We were spoilt for choice, weren't we? Uh, so what did you go for as one of your moments of the WSL with now? Sue, you go first. Okay, my moment of the weekend was uh, Manchester City's opening goal, Caroline Weir. I think not only was it a good goal, but the fact that Manchester City dominated the game in terms of possession. They just couldn't quite get that opener. And it was just so important that they went on to, to then win the game convincingly and hugely important for confidence. Um, and I suppose the longer the game went on, the more nervy it would have got at nil-nil. So yeah, real important goal for Caroline Weir and Manchester City. 
Well, mine feeds on from that nicely, Sue. Hayley Razzo's impact after coming on as a sub, it took her no time to get on the score sheet, did it? And she created two, setting up for Hemp's goal. That was City's fourth, scoring another one to take City to that 5-0 victory, all in the space of about four minutes. Such good news for City and also for the winger as well. She's missed a chunk of the season with a shoulder injury. And actually with a game-changing performance like that, and actually Lauren Hemp credited her with that. She said she was a game-changer. With performances like that, she could be one of the real catalysts actually uh, for getting City's season back on track what about you Amy? I'd have to pick uh, Vivian Miedemar's goal against Man United great goal broke the deadlock for for Arsenal for um, after quite a kind of cagey first half and was also the goal that made her the the only player in WSL history to score against every team that she's faced so all in all ticked, ticked every box to be a moment yes. of the week I think Job well done for Viv, absolutely. Uh, If you're listening to this and you've got your own opinion of the moment of the weekend, get in touch with us. Uh, Maybe you agree with mine or Sue's or Amy's or something completely different perhaps springs to mind. Let us know on social media at The Athletic UK or at Offside Rule Pod. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch all the live Sky Sports action from the Women's Super League. Watch it all for £9.99 with a Now Sports Day membership. Let's get stuck into the action now from the weekend. Everyone looking to head into the international break on a high. Let's see who did just that. We'll start uh, with Manchester United, who hosted Arsenal. Another week, another record broken by Viviana Miedemar. As Amy said, she caught Manchester United's Mary up, standing too far left to score Arsenal's first and became the only WSL player to score against every team she's faced. 14 out of 14. An Aoife Mannion challenge on Katie McCabe gave Arsenal a penalty, which Chet McCabe scored to maintain Arsenal's unbeaten run with a 2-0 win. There is an argument, though, about whether Arsenal should have perhaps had another penalty awarded, Sue. Uh, They got a free kick instead when Beth Mead was brought down on the edge of the area by Hannah Blundell. Viv Miedemar taking the free kick. Uh, I like the tactic of not making it completely clear who was going to take it. But what did you think? Was it a pen? Yeah, it was a definite pen, wasn't it? And I think, you know, we're quite fortunate that we get different angles so we can see it from from different different ways, whereas I know the officials can only see it once and see it from that that one particular angle. So it was probably difficult bodies in the way. But yeah, it was in the area and should have been a penalty, but they nearly scored. And like you say, really well-worked free kick and, and just great technique from Miedemar to get it over the wall and and just to, to hit the crossbar. I thought it was just going to nestle in that, that corner. Mm-hmm. So they were lucky not to get a third there. But yeah, it, it should have been a penalty. Let's talk about the missing Leah Williamson. She's out, of course, for a decent amount of time, Amy, uh, with that injury. Jen Beattie replaced her in this game. Did Arsenal miss her or is this is this the joy? Is this the strength of this side that they don't miss a player as great as Leah Williamson? I watched them in midweek in the Champions League without her and they looked a little bit shaky and I thought it's a little bit of a concern because obviously she's such a big player, not only in terms of her quality, but sort of her leadership and just the calmness that she brings. But I thought they played, I thought they looked really good in this game. They really didn't sort of, they weren't opened up a lot, um, which I was quite impressed with because like I say in the Champions League in midweek, they, they looked a little bit shaky at times. But I think, I think they will obviously miss her, but they do have quite a lot of options in that area, which is definitely a good thing. Yeah, I love the way that they used the length and breadth of the team really well, didn't they? And creating goal-scoring opportunities. They just seem to be combining so well, whether it's Marna, McCabe, Little, Volte. They're just all all working really well together. And that's what's so nice to see with this Arsenal team. 
Let's talk about Manchester United, though. Mark Skinner, the manager, said that he does need to recruit in January. Is is that going to solve his issues, Sue? What do you make of this side? Well, I thought they started quite brightly uh, against Arsenal. But then mm. Arsenal, as soon as they found their rhythm, it was difficult for for Manchester United to, to cope. Um, they had a couple of chances. Katie Zellen had the chance, didn't she? 1v1 with the keeper. I think Russo had a header. And I just think you've got to be clinical against a side like Arsenal. You're only going to get a few opportunities. You have to make sure you you take them. But yeah, I do agree with, with strength and depth. You look at Arsenal's strength and depth, Chelsea's strength and depth, Manchester United to... You know, you look at the forward positions, I think you, Thomas again injured. So you, you just feel, do they need to bring in another striker? Russo, we know, is back from injury, but you want to be protecting her and looking after her. You know that Ella Toon can play in that false nine, but you just think another match winner for Manchester United. And again, do they need to strengthen at the back? I know Turner's back on the bench, which is brilliant to see. So, I, of course, as a manager in January, if you can bring in players, it, it would be great for you moving forward then for the latter stages of the season. Yeah. Amy, are there players that you can identify that Mark Skinner needs? There's also, by the way, the issue of game management and just kind of sloppy mistakes, really. There's a great piece by Flo Lloyd-Hughes in The Athletic, just pointing out that all of Arsenal's goals came from Manchester United errors. And that is something that he can address right away. Yeah, January is always such a difficult window as well, isn't it? Like, you know, it, you kind of looking to it? see. Yeah, it's it's not. You know, I kind of asked him about it after the game because I was at this game, and you know, I said, do you, "Do you think that you can get players in in January to make an immediate impact, or do you need the summer window as well to kind of help bridge that gap?" And he was like, "Well, it's a bit of both, really." Because it is a sticky window to work in. I think there are players they can get. I know that um, the Man United fans really want Cena Blackstenius, the Swedish striker. And that's the kind of transfer that's not so difficult in a way because the Swedish league is a calendar season. So, you know, there are signings they can definitely make. It'll be very interesting to see what business they do and what, you know, how, how that looks different in the summer. What were you picking up from fans at Lee Sports Village? We know that the Manchester United fans are very vocal. They're very forthright in their opinions. Are they still, you know, certainly from the stands anyway, are they still fully behind their manager? And can they see that this is a bit of a transitional period for the team that they just need to work through, whether that's correcting mistakes or whether it's recruitment? I think the fans recognise that he needs to be backed. And you can't judge a manager too much when they kind of come in and they haven't been they haven't been given the time to kind of mould the squad to how they want and bring the players in. And, you know, you can. there are mistakes that they need to iron out and there are little frustrating things, you know. Maybe they use, need to use the midfield a little bit more, get their wingers a bit more wide and kind of in the areas they want to attack. But, you know, they do need that depth, like, to compete with Arsenal and Chelsea and bridge that gap. And I think they recognise that, you know. He can do so much, but he does need to be backed. And I think that they're, they're behind him as long as... Um, you know, as long as they can see that the club are going to back him and that um, he can maybe have an impact. All right, well, let's move on to another big game to talk about um, across the city a bit to Manchester City. They hosted Aston Villa. And as we've hinted, this could be a turning point for them. When the halftime whistle sounded, you could sense the crowd at the Academy Stadium 
groaning inside. It was nil-nil against Aston Villa, who came 10th last season. But after just three minutes, Caroline Weir got Manchester City's first and the floodgates opened, bringing in goals for Georgia Stanway, Lauren Hemp, and two for Hayley Rasso to make it 5-0 to Manchester City. Uh, A real confidence booster, Sue, as we've said, but it's so important, isn't it, that the team starts to build from this point onwards? Oh, without a doubt. You know, they, they needed that win. They they had to be patient because I think at one point in the first half, they had something like 80% possession and they have to make that that count. And you just think, could this be the sort of turnaround that, that they need? And I know there's been so much discussion about this, about the injuries that they've had, but it has to have an impact. I think at one point when they had something like 10 players out injured and it's not just the quality on the pitch that they bring. It's also the fact that they're leaders on the pitch, the fact that they've got the third choice goalkeeper who has made big errors in games. You've got players playing out of position. I just think that has an impact. But I also see the other side where people have said they've actually got a good 11 on the, the field of play that, that should be able to be getting better results. So I think they've they've certainly showed that players are coming back, which is, is massively important for them. Yeah, but I just think a huge confidence boost because... You know, Villa made it difficult for them and the fact that they managed to to stay patient, get their first goal and and then obviously run away with it and and get a convincing 5-0 win. Amy, can we pinpoint the difference here for City? Was it just City working as City should, remaining patient and then being able to hit when the game went in their favour? Or was there something significantly different? Was it, you know, the fact that they were coming up against an opposition where, where really it would have been catastrophic if they'd have lost to without doing Aston Villa a disservice it would have been catastrophic wouldn't it if they'd have lost was it just seizing the the opportunity or was there something more to this I think it's just quality shining through I think like Sue says the the 11 that's on the pitch is really good like yes you know all the kind of issues that Sue just mentioned but that 11 you know quality will shine through eventually like when you've got a player like Lauren Hemp on the pitch like who can always make things happen do you know I think that that's one of the kind of big things for them in this race with the Champions League. The fact that there's not really a club like an Everton or a Man United have been trying to do to really take hold of that third spot while City have been struggling. The fact it's really open. The fact they've got all this quality. And, you know, every time they... It makes me laugh every time the cameras cut to the, the stands and you can see the, all the players that are injured. And it's like, you know, it looks like a, a great five-a-side team that you could make there. That <laughs> um, like they've got so much quality to come back. And I think, like I said, that I think that... There's only so long that they'll struggle because the players that are in that team are very, very good. Yeah, I loved Kira Walsh in this game as well, actually, just constantly finding space, playing to expose and exploit the gaps. I thought she worked really well. We've you know, spoken about Razzo and, and the impact of Hemp and Caroline Weir, who seemed to play most of the game with her shirt pulled over her hands. And I just wondered whether that was a magic trick, you know, to kind of, she must have been freezing, basically. <laughs> she looked a bit odd because you couldn't actually see her hands um, underneath the shirt. There's, again, another great piece up on The Athletic by Flo Lloyd-Hughes, who looks at this battle for third place and says, actually, uh, you know, City have got a higher goals per game than Spurs. In fact, Spurs are underperforming in terms of their expected goals. So that's a concern. Then the return of players coming back, easier opposition for City as well. Uh, Amy, I know you've been looking at this one. What are your thoughts on on sort of who is favourite to grab that third spot at the minute? I think it's strange because you, you kind of, like you said, City are maybe the favourites because of the quality they have, the experience they have, you know. But they're actually five points off it, and really the favourite is kind of Brighton, isn't it? Because they're sat in that spot, and it's theirs at the moment to lose. It's very... I feel like 
I feel like there isn't a favourite for it. It's, it's so incredibly open, you know, the fact that you have a team like City, you know, even Everton had those aspirations to get that spot there, you know, kind of towards the bottom of the race, and you've yeah. got teams like Brighton and Spurs at the top of it. So it's I feel like there's not a favourite. Spurs are in fourth, only a point below Brighton. And what's interesting, I suppose, is that from Brighton in third on 15 points, you can go all the way down to 10th in the table, as you've alluded to, Amy, with Aston Villa. So there's only five points separating 10th and third position, which is going to make for a very uh, uh, hotly contested uh, fight for third place. If you would, by the way, like to access any of the great writing on The Athletic from Flo Lloyd-Hughes, but also from uh, the larger team there as well, all covering women's football, there's a special Black Friday deal you'll be pleased to know. You can get a whole year's subscription. That means ad-free podcasts and full access to the website for just £1 a month. That is ridiculously cheap. You've got to be quick. Uh, The offer ends on Monday, the 29th of November. Head to theathletic.com forward slash WSL pod right now. So that is a year's subscription for just a pound a month, a special Black Friday deal. Quick word on Aston Villa. Carla Ward said this defeat really hurt. It was the biggest defeat as a manager. Sue, what would your advice be for her with Aston Villa? It's it is tough for her. She's got some quality players there. Does she just focus on trying to get the results that she can, you know, concentrating on those games that are winnable? Yeah, I think so. She, you know, she'll be absolutely gutted to have lost that game and lost that game by that amount because she will have tried to instill into her players, look, this is an opportunity that we can go and really get a Manchester City, uh, an underconfident Manchester City at the moment. And in that first half, they worked really hard to, to stop them. And she would have gone in at half time thinking, okay, this this game plan's working. We might have that opportunity in the second half. And I suppose you then start going maybe a little bit more progressive. A mistake leads to a goal and, and then sort of heads drop a little bit. But yeah, that's what I think you have to do when you're sort of in and around there. You try and beat the teams in and around you. So that's what she'll be saying to the players. They'll reflect on that game. They'll make sure that that doesn't happen again, if possible. And they'll move on to to the next game. But yeah, that will have really hurt Carla Wards. Okay, well, let's wrap that one up there before we head to a few surprises. You're listening to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. All right, so we're calling this the surprise section. Two upsets in the battle for third, a hotly contested battle. Let's talk about Reading, who hosted Brighton. The Seagulls were soaring up in third, uh, but Reading had other ideas. Natasha Dowie, who we spoke to a few weeks ago, pounced on the rebound off Faye Brighton's long-range attempt to put the Royals 1-0 up after just two minutes. Later, Emma Harries ran half the length of the pitch and scored to seal the victory in the 86th minute. 2-0 to Reading this one. Amy, let's talk about Reading's good November. They're undefeated in November so far. They've come up against uh, Brighton, Crystal Palace, West Ham, Birmingham. They've got some tricky games coming up, but it's fair to say, hopefully, that Reading have got over that kind of really shaky form at the start of the season, hopefully. Yeah, I think it was only a matter of time until they kind of got over that and kind of showed the form they've they've showed this month. They um, They got some really quality players in that team, lots of experience. I thought they made good signings over the summer. Tash Dower, you just mentioned. Diane Rose, Olympic gold medalist. Um, and then they just had kind of a, a tough start to the season. And um, yeah, like I say, I think, you know, with their experience and their kind of track record in this league, I think it was only a matter of time until we saw this this team that we're watching right now. 
Yeah, Sue, there was some brilliant arm waving, outrage, hashtag outrage, uh, from Fliss <laughs> Gibbons, the Brighton defender. She was asking for offside as Emma Harris was, you know, literally running and then going on to score. Surely she should be chasing Harris. I, I mean, was it an offside? Can we make a judgment <laughs> on this? Wow, you've got to just play to the whistle, haven't you? You've just got to play until the ball goes out of of play, if you like. You know, that's that's something that, you know, we get taught very early on. So, yeah, I'm sure that won't be a, a positive for, for Fliss. I'm sure that she'll be getting told next time, just play to the whistle. Was there any obvious issue with Brighton here, Amy, from your point of view? They did have possessions, probably not clinical enough in the final third. I think Hope Powell identified that at the end of the game. Anything else to read into this? It's difficult because they won last week when they weren't so good against Leicester. And I remember speaking about it and being like, well, it's actually quite a positive that they played and didn't play so well and won because, you know, you like that bit of grit. You, you know, you might not like the performance, but you like to see that character from your team. But I think, you know, maybe this performance off the back of that, maybe it's just, you know, kind of get back to the basics after the international break, have a little break, go again. I don't think that they'll fall into any kind of slump. I think Hope Powell's a, a really good manager. I'm sure she'll, um, yeah, kind of get them back to the basics and doing the things that they've been doing well this season. Yeah, just their third loss in the WSL this season, Brighton. Let's move on to West Ham, who hosted Tottenham off the back of their one-all draw in the North London derby. Tottenham would have been hoping for more out of this game. But in this London derby, West Ham beat Spurs for the first time in the WSL, thanks to Danny Brynjers Dottier and their keeper, Mackenzie Arnold, who was also brilliant in this game too. Anything to be worried about here from Tottenham's point of view? Do we just put this down to a blip? Were West Ham deserved winners? How do we assess it, Sue? Yeah, I think you know Spurs have, have picked up some some brilliant results, haven't they? And I think coming on the back of a sort of draw against Arsenal, where they will have been absolutely delighted. Sometimes that just happens; you get a little dip in your performance the, the week after, no real reason for it. And then you even look to the game before that when they they played Manchester United and they equalised in was it the ninety ninetieth plus five minutes or something mm. like that? So they'll have been on a massive high from those two results and. Yeah, this just sometimes happens. I've been really impressed with with Tottenham this season and I, I just think it was a dip and I think West Ham did well to to get the, the three points. Yeah, Amy, what's your assessment of it? I thought that both the goalies were very good, actually. Um, what else do we need to draw from this game? I like um, I like West Ham this season. I like that um, when Oli Harder came in, kind of when I spoke to people about what he was like as a coach and who he was, you know, there was really positive things. He did really positive things in in Norway, and I think he has a a good vision of football and kind of what he wants to bring to this team. I like the some of the signings they made over the summer, and I think that you can see that project building now. I think now he's had that summer window. He's not got, you know, he's not coming mid season this season, and he's battling relegation. So I'm kind of like I'm enjoying watching them kind of grow, and um, yeah, I'm enjoying watching their performances grow this season. Yeah, I feel like I was a bit harsh on Ollie Harder actually earlier on in his managerial career, but you're right in that he probably had a lot to sort out up front before he could really start working with the side. Lisa Evans as well, a shout to her. We are going to speak to her later in the pod, but she manufactured the goal and looked threatening as well. Good to see her back from injury. And actually a savvy move, Amy, for her to be at West Ham, uh, really, because because of that competition for places at Arsenal. Yeah, I think um, it's it's always good to, you know, if you know you're not going to play too much, it's always good to get out there and um, and get a lot of 
minutes and do you know maybe should be showing Jonas Edval some some really good things for for next season but yeah very good like I said about West Ham's transfer window I think they made some really good signings she was definitely one Let's move on to Chelsea, who hosted Birmingham City. Kirby strikes again. Sam Kerr with a trademark backflip. Uh, she scored a first half hat trick in this one. Frank Kirby scored two as well, including an audacious lob just four minutes in. She becomes now the first woman to score 100 goals for Chelsea. Birmingham were managerless for this defeat. That's after Scott Booth was sacked. But 20 minutes after they lost, their new interim manager was named as Darren Carter. Where should we start with this one then? Let's talk about the wondrousness that is Sam Kerr and also Frank Kirby. A wonderful combination doing it again. And it was actually good to see them gobble up the goals in this one, Sue. Yeah, wondrousness. I love that. It's a great word. <laughs> but I think, you know, they were just brilliant as they always are. I think that the connection between the two of them, you know, thinking back to when Sam Kerr signed during the WSL, it took her a little bit of time to adapt. Well, as soon as she adapted, that's been it. We've just seen so much quality from the, the both of them. And, and when they click, both Good technicians, both, you know, got pace, can beat players, exciting to watch and clinical goal scorers as well. So very difficult to play against those two. Frank Kirby, two good finishes. It was a lob and a cheeky back heel as well. How do you do those, Sue? Did you master them back in your day? <laughs> I was going to say, don't ask me. I probably <laughs> fell over trying those. But uh, yeah, again, she is just a great technician and it's her ability to see things. She sees things really quickly but then she can execute them as well. And um, that's that's just so impressive. You think any young player watching, watch Frank Kirby, watch her movement, watch how she, she controls the ball, passes the ball, always knows what the next pass is. Yeah, top quality player in the WSL. Uh, sound the Lauren James watch, by the way. I feel like we need a Clacton or a Foghorn for this one. She came on for Jesse Fleming yeah. in the 67th minute. What, what did you make of Lauren James, Amy? Can you give us an, an assessment? I think we saw um, glimpses of that quality that we know she has. I'm excited to see how she kind of fits in to this team and, um, you know, playing with players like Frank Kirby and, and Sam Kerr. You think about the quality that that Lauren James has, you think about what that could bring to that little dynamic up front. Um, but, yeah, I think we definitely saw a couple of glimpses of, glimpses of it. And I think that once she kind of settles in and I like that Emma Hayes is taking her time with her, making sure that she's good after she had quite a lot of niggly injuries, I think once she's settled, then, yeah, what she can bring to this team is just a whole other dynamic to what's already a very dynamic team. Uh, so we must talk about Birmingham as well. They've decided to sack Scott Booth. We've got an interim manager here in Darren Carter or interim head coach, as he's been called. They are having a tough time, of course. They had a league defeat to rivals Aston Villa. There was a 4-0 loss at home to West Ham in the Cup as well. But it feels to me, and you know, please do give me your interpretation, it feels to me like there's still so much work to do at that club. There was a big expose last season, wasn't there, in the fact that players felt they weren't supported, that backroom facilities weren't good enough, they weren't on a par with where they needed to be uh, for a team of the top league of women's football. And I'm not convinced that enough has changed at that club what 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 do you make of it yeah I'm absolutely with you on that and and I do really worry about them what's going on behind the scenes like you, you said I was actually quite surprised that that Scott Booth got the sack again we don't know what's going on in and around there 
uh, the training ground and, and things like that, what the players actually feel. But I just thought with limited budget, resources, he was doing his best and it looked like the players were working hard. They just didn't have maybe that that quality that that's that's been needed. But it was difficult for the players, wasn't it, to find out via social media, again, just reports. Yes, that's but, right. Journalists telling them as well, Sue. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's just just not very good is it at all no that just can't happen you know the the communication has to be so much better and and you know players will feel that players will you know it's just a real difficult time I think for Birmingham so they have to make sure that they get things sorted off the field for things to be right on the field And, and like you say there were so many reports last season I'm not convinced they're much better this season but we don't know yeah. Marcus Bignot, by the way, is taking a supporting role with the club. Uh, we found that out as well. Amy, they're going to have to lean on their senior players, you know, Captain Louise Quinn, uh, Hurahan, Harriet Scott. They they are going to have to lean on those senior players to try and get through this tricky period. What are you hearing about what's going on there? Yeah, I think I'm I'm with Sue and with you on this that, you know, I just don't feel like enough has, has changed for like I was very surprised that Scott Booth, um, like you say, we we don't know everything that's kind of going on, but um, I'm very surprised that he was sat because, you know, he's he's really not got too much to work with. Um, you know, they lack that kind of attacking quality. They've got some really good sort of defensive players and players that will work very very hard, but I just don't feel like they have that kind of attacking spark to take them, you know, to the point of scoring enough goals to pick up enough points. I think the one thing that's kind of keeping their hopes of staying up alive is the fact that Leicester are struggling um, yeah. having been hit by injuries so yeah I'm, yeah, I'm not convinced that you know like so everything has to be you have to have a solid foundation to then kind of push on and they, they don't seem to have that Alright let's move on then to Leicester as you say they're struggling with injuries uh, they entertained Everton and lost 1-0 Simone McGill scoring for Everton she was on the podcast last week she came to the rescue again with a late winner uh, for the side. Leicester City remain pointless, of course. This is encouraging, though, isn't it? Is it Jean-Luc Vasseur's first win in the league for Everton? It brings to an end a run of three straight defeats. So we could say the tide has turned. There, there probably should have been more goals in this game, but I'm sure he'll take it, Sue. Oh, definitely. He'll take the win. Um, and I think it's difficult for, for Everton, isn't it? There was so much expectation on them at the start of the season with the amount of new players that came in, the quality of, of those players as well. And it's always going to take time to adapt to the WSL and adapt to a, a new team. Willie Kirk obviously didn't get that that time. So the new manager then comes in, Jean-Luc Vasseur. And again, he's got a great CV, but he's going to need time for his style to, to be implemented with that squad. So I think they'll just be happy to come away with the, the win no matter what. Next up for Everton, by the way, and they really need to take the opportunity here. They've got West Ham on the 12th of December, Tottenham on the 19th of December, Villa on the 8th of January. They've really you know, got to take advantage of those games. They're on 10 points at the moment. If they can get to that magic 15 points, then, then they can start enjoying themselves, really, and start really, really pushing forward. Amy, a quick word on Leicester. Nil Poit, still at the bottom of the table. There's issues, isn't there, with them conceding goals in the final minutes of games. We know that there's an injury issue there. Do they do they need to be more attacking? Do they need to make make good of what they've got in terms of where they're at at the moment? It's strange because, you know, when I've watched Leicester, you can see that, you know, there is, especially in the first half, you see quite a lot of sort of energy. They're very, like, at your heels in midfield and, you know, constantly running and trying to make things happen. I just think, 
they've struggled this season with the injuries, and I think that what that's ha- what that's caused is that inconsistency of the lineup. It also means that they've had to change formation to adapt to the players that they have, and yeah, they are trying to kind of you know build from the back and then move forward. I think it's difficult that they've lost Kirsten Lavelle recently, the goalkeeper who's probably been their best player this season. It's just constantly, you know, it's just another, that kind of shakes your defence up, I guess, when you've got a different keeper behind you. Even though I thought Demi Lambeau made some good saves. I think that they just need to ride the storm, I think. I think the fact that Birmingham are only on one point, you know, that, that kind of gives them, they can if they can catch Birmingham, they get players back and they, they start building from there, you know. It just needs to, um, it just needs to happen quite quickly because obviously there's not too many games in the season. Okay, well, that rounds the games up, of course, that we're on international break now in terms of action. But because of that, let's pick our top players from each team in the order of where they are in the table. I'm going to do this quick fire, so you don't even have to give me a reason. Just give me a name and we'll whittle through these quick speed and see what we've got. Uh, So I'm going to get us started off. Arsenal, top of the table. One of the players of their season so far for me, Beth Mead. Chelsea, Sue? Frank Kirby. Okay, Brighton, Amy? Uh, May Letizia. I've got Spurs. I'm going to go Rachel Williams. West Ham, Sue? Brynis Dottier. Okay, Amy, you've got Manchester United? Ella Toom. I've got Man City. I'm going to go Lauren Hemp. Reading, Sue, for you? Tash Dowie. And Everton, Amy? Uh, Kenza Darley. Aston Villa for me. I'm going to go Hannah Hampton. Just don't ask her to get your ball back if you're a ball boy, by the way. <laughs> uh, Birmingham City, Sue? Captain Quinn. Okay. And finally, Leicester, Amy. Kirsten Lavelle. Fantastic. Well, let's uh, round up some of the other women's action uh, upon all those bombshells. If you agree or disagree with us, by the way, at Offside Rule Pod at The Athletic UK. Outside of the WSL then, there was midweek Champions League action. Arsenal had 77% of the possession as they put three past HB Kerr or Kerr or however you say it. Still haven't worked it out. Uh, Thanks to Caitlin Ford, Lotta Wubin-Moy and Viviana Miedemar. Sam Kerr scored the only goal in Chelsea's tie against Servette. And the Continental League Cup was treated to a Manchester derby. Uh, the city was painted red for this one. United beat City 2-1. Vicky Lasada's early goal was cancelled out by Ivana Fuso and Anya Batley scored the winner. In a bad week for Brighton, they were beaten 1-0 by championship side London City. West Ham beat Birmingham 4-0 and Spurs put 11 past Watford with hat-tricks for Angela Addison and Rosella Ayan. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is the Athletic Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Now. Joining myself, Kate Borsay, it's former Lioness and Sky Sports pundit Sue Smith and women's football correspondent for Goal, Amy Rushke. Let's move on to awards season and there's quite a bit to get through. So uh, we'll just pick out a few highlights. We've got three awards lists for top player. Uh, the FIFA Best nominees uh, have just been announced ahead of the ceremony on January the 17th. The Goal 50 top players list is out and the Ballon d'Or winner is set to be announced next week. 
In terms of the FIFA best list, Sam Kerr's been nominated for the fifth consecutive year. That was after a golden boot in the WSL, six goals in the Olympics as well. Three of her Chelsea teammates are in there as well. Magdalena Eriksson, Penilla Harder, Gisa Young, uh, and loads of Barcelona stars. Barcelona dominating a lot of these lists. Alexia Putellas, Caroline Graham Hansen, Jenny Homozo, and Aitana Bonmati have been recognised. Uh, of course, Barcelona winning the treble. In terms of the goal 50 list, did you have anything to do with this, Amy? Yeah, we, we kind of changed it this year, didn't we? Um, so normally it's decided by us journalists within goal. Um, this year we, we put it to the fans, which is nice well, and most different. of those fans from, from Spain? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so basically you've got Putiles, Paredes, Oshuala, Lika Martins. You've got Barcelona at the top four in the list, uh, featuring a little further later down as well, Caroline Graham Hansen, Aslani from Real Madrid. So you've got a, a very heavy Spain list there. So it's interesting to see how people voted, isn't it? And in terms of the Ballon d'Or scheduling, Tom Gary of The Telegraph, Sue, makes a good point uh, that it's on an international break for women so that most most of the players can't make the actual ceremony. That seems like a bit of a misstep by FIFA. It does. I actually read that article and, and thought exactly the same. Um, it was a really good point because it's it's something for the players to, to celebrate, to go to. And yeah, it's a real shame that, that the schedule has, has meant that, that they won't be able to go. Who do we think has the best list, Sue? Is it, is it FIFA best? Is it goal 50? I mean, we sort of might have to give a little nod to that because Amy's been involved. Is it the Ballon d'Or? <laughs> I've got to say goal 50, haven't I? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, let's, talk about, let's talk about best coach in the FIFA best list. Barcelona's coach, Cortez, Peter Gerhardsen, one of my personal favourites, Swedish national team. Emma Hayes is in there. Beth Priestman as well for a great work with Canada and Serena Wiegmann with the Netherlands. And of course, now on to the English national team as well. Do we have a favourite in there for you, Amy? I think Cortez, obviously, with the treble, but also I think what Bev Priestman did with Canada, considering the short amount of time she kind of been there, I think that was. Um, I think it's kind of it's difficult to pick between them two. In terms of the FIFA best goalkeeper, Sue, I'm going to ask you for your favourite of these: uh, Anne Katrin Berger, uh, Germany and Chelsea; uh, Christiane Endler, Stephanie Labbe. We saw her in action for Canada. Hedvig Lindahl. Uh, at Atletico de Madrid, uh, also Sweden, and Alicia Nea as well uh, for USA and Chicago Red Stars. Do you have a favourite amongst those? Oh, I was hoping that I got the coach. Um, <laughs> goalkeepers just, yeah. Um, I will go Berger and also I think Labbe. You know, I was really impressed watching her. She was her. great, wasn't she? She, she was, was absolutely great. brilliant. So between those two, I think. So we know we're going to hear who's won the Ballon d'Or imminently. Amy, where's your vote? Patelis, it has to be. Um, okay. For me, like the, the outstanding player of the last year, to be honest. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Uh, Sue, you can't pick the same. Who are you going to go <laughs> for in this one? Interestingly, okay. by the way, uh, Ellen White's in here. It's a, a point of interest for me. But uh, who goes uh, in there for your Ballon d'Or winner? I can't just pick my friend, can I, Ellen White? Um, but I, obviously Pateus has, has got to be right up there. But I'm going to go Sam Kerr. I've been really impressed with her for, for both club and country. 
Excellent. All right. Now it's international break. Set to face four Ballon d'Or nominees, three FIFA Best nominees and the goal 50 top player is Scotland and West Ham's Lisa Evans, who plays Spain with Scotland next week, fresh off the back of that win against Spurs. The Scotland side who face Ukraine on Friday and Spain on Tuesday in the World Cup qualifiers includes Arsenal's Jem Beattie, Man City's Caroline Weir and Chelsea's Erin Cuthbert, amongst a host of other talent hoping to defeat the world's 10th best team. I suppose to Lisa about the weekend's win with West Ham and what's to come with Scotland. Lisa, welcome to the show and congratulations on the win against Spurs at the weekend as well. You had a good impact in the game, certainly a decent part in the goal for West Ham. Just sum it up for us. How did it feel for you as a team? Yeah, obviously, like I feel like the weeks before that we actually had like it was a similar pattern. The game kind of we didn't we played really well in the, the last few games um, and we just didn't get the result. We had kind of last minute goals against us. So I think this week was just more important for us to get over the line <laughs> mentally and physically and just see see the result out. And obviously, I think we rode our luck at times, but um, obviously delighted to have, have beaten Spurs. What's it been like for you at West Ham? Obviously, you spent I spent a long time at Arsenal. You're on loan. You came back from an injury recently. What's it like being at a club like West Ham? Honestly, it's great. Like I'm loving every minute of it. It's it's been really, really fun. And it, it was something like I wasn't really sure about it when I first when I first went there. Nothing to do with West Ham. I just thought like I, I was really happy where I was at Arsenal and enjoying it. But it's turned out to be total blessing in disguise. And I'm really enjoying my time there. I love working under Ollie and the rest of the girls. It's just been so enjoyable. And positionally, you're you're sort of playing as a second striker, aren't you? Is that is that something new for you? It is, isn't it? It is honestly. Like it's it's been funny because I've kind of been here there and everywhere obviously with Arsenal I played predominantly as a right back right wing sometimes left wing um in the pre-season as well with Arsenal I played on the nine so yeah like it's been it's been really enjoyable and it's just kind of seen at uh, seen each game as it comes really Ollie obviously asks different things of players at different times and he asked me yeah to do a job at on the nine and yeah it's done I've done all right so far so Great to see you play regularly again as well. That was the most important thing for me was obviously like when I spoke to Jonas that he couldn't guarantee me minutes, although I felt like I was potentially good enough to be competing for a place there. Um, yeah, took the decision then to go out on loan and it's been one that I've absolutely not regretted in no way, shape or form. It's just been fun and enjoyable. And yeah, as you can see, we're sitting in a good place now in, in the league table and hopefully that that can continue. Yeah, I think it I think it goes down as a really savvy decision by you, Lisa. I really do, you know, to do that. Um, let's talk about Scotland. Look, you're coming up against the likes of Alexia Puteas, Jenny Hermoso, Rina Paredes. <laughs> You've got some serious talent here to face in the Spain <laughs> team. How are you going to approach it? Because I think we can generally accept that there's some stellar talent there. They are going to be a tough team. They've had some big results, some big score lines. How do you as Scotland go about approaching this one? What what do you do with it? Yeah, I mean, we've obviously not spoken about it yet because we do have a massive game first in Ukraine on Friday night. So I think first and foremost, we need to get that one out of the way. Um, and we know that that game is not going to be easy any way, shape or form. So I think we've not obviously honed in on Spain yet. It's first and foremost about, about Ukraine. But like you said, it's Spain is one of the best teams in the world, if not the best at the minute, I think. I think they'll do really well as well at the Euros coming up. Um, you can see the likes of of Barcelona, how good that they are. And then obviously that's a core group of of that Spanish team is that Barcelona team. And I think arguably they're probably Barcelona right now are, if not the best team in the world, they they are the best team in the world right now, yeah. but the best team that there's ever been. So, 
yeah, it'll be interesting just to see how how we do against some of the best players in the world. And historically, I think we've we've done really well against Spain. So I think we can take the positives from from that history. Although it is a different entity that we face um, next week, we know that we know that historically we have had good matches against them. So yeah, need to take the positives from that as well. Yeah, three wins out of three in World Cup qualifying, a couple against Hungary and one against the Faroe Islands. And you're actually, you know, playing the team above you in Spain and then below you in Ukraine. If you win both those games, you go top of your group. But you're in a really good position, aren't you? I yep. think we can we can we can we can totally recognize that. What's your personal aim for the game against Ukraine? Because I think this one's the one all eyes on this, first of all, as you say. How are you approaching this personally? I think just to carry out the job that Pedro's asked us to do, really, as a collective, um, I know that he's very detailed in the way that he wants us to play. And I think if we do the tactical game plan in the way that he wants to do it, then there shouldn't be any problems. I think that we have top, top players in the squad and we're more than capable of beating teams like Ukraine, although that they are a top quality side, very experienced, got a new manager as well, Spanish again. Um, we <laughs> Damn the Spanish. <laughs> yeah, we are more than capable of, of beating Ukraine, so... Yeah. Do you know Do you know where you're playing positionally for the game? No, no idea. Like, uh, I have no idea. Yeah, don't know. Like I said, <laughs> we've, not, we've not done any um, tactical. We've not, I've not been at the pitch yet. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see today after training what, what the story is. One thing about you, Lisa, is we know that you can play in most positions. So uh, I'm sure you'll be fine. Whatever's yeah. thrown at you. Do the nerves come into it? at this stage at all when you think about what's at stake especially because you'll feel like after 2019 didn't make it out of the group stage in the last World Cup you had the upset around the Euros but also unfinished business with the World Cup as well being on that big stage doing so well and then and then it just having a crazy last 20 minutes against Argentina in that competition and I guess that provides a real point, doesn't it, from which the team to learn. Sometimes it takes those horrible situations and the Euros too for it, a team to a team to transition, a team to kind of wipe the slate clean and go, okay, well that's done and dusted now, and it's now about us taking that pain and moving forward. Yeah, no, without a doubt, I think obviously potentially in that in that tournament we were a bit naive and a bit inexperienced, and obviously in those big big game moments you. You need players to step up and kind of manage the game and, and those situations. And yeah, still heartbreaking, to be honest. I've not been able to watch those the, the clips back of the Argentina game because it's still kind of in the back of your mind. You're just thinking like, oh, should have been out. The, we should have made it out of the group. And and yeah, it's just one of those things, hopefully, that we can we can put right and get to another World Cup again. Do you as a team talk about it or is it just done, dusted, shelved and then let's just concentrate on what's kind of coming up? I think so. We're obviously like a really light-hearted bunch of bunch of girls, and we have a, a kind of a laugh and joke about it. And some of us, some of us are still a bit. You upset. have to though, don't you? But yeah, there's nothing else for it. We know ourselves. We were whoever was on the pitch. Like we've only got ourselves to blame in that situation. And yeah, just unfortunate. Like we, I think we've 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 spoken about it in, in the open. And like I said, we can have a laugh and a joke about it. But obviously, we we want to put 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 that right and get ourselves back in in the World Cup. Yeah, and be there and be representing Scotland. It's been great to speak to you. Thanks for sparing us at the time and good luck for the games ahead with Scotland. Scotland and West Ham's Lisa Evans. Thanks, Lisa. Cheers. Well, that was me speaking to Scotland and West Ham's Lisa Evans. England are also in action in the international break. They play Austria on Saturday and Sunderland at the Stadium of Light before facing Latvia in Doncaster on Tuesday. No Leah Williamson 
of course. Uh, Amy, who do you think or how do you think Vigman might set up the defence now? I think it's interesting because Williamson's been playing midfield recently. Yeah, she um, has, isn't for she? England. Yeah. And we had, somebody actually asked her about it on a press conference, what, do you know, how does this impact the defence? And she was like, well, actually, like, she's been playing midfield. Um, I wonder if she might try to play somebody else as holding midfielder because I feel like she's been trying to expand the options there by playing Williamson. Do you know, obviously there's only really been Walsh. Maybe give Stanway a run in there like Hagarisa does or maybe give Katie Zellum an opportunity. Ellen White, uh, we should mention her, Sue, because she's on the hunt for goals. Uh, she needs three more goals to make her England's all-time top goal scorer. She's going to pick up a 100th cap if she plays in this game against Austria. A uh, quick note as well, because of course Austria are in our Euros group, our home Euros next year. We're going to come up against them. Do you fancy Ellen for goals? She's not been on diamond form, has she? She has struggled a bit this season. Yeah, she has, but just what an incredible professional um, to reach 100 caps, the amount of goals that, that she scored. I know that she'll be working so, so hard off the field to make sure that she's in peak condition, getting back to that goal scoring form for, for Manchester City. But yeah, I think she is just such a clinical striker. We've seen that again and again in, in big, important games. So yeah, I've got nothing but praise for, for Ellen White, despite maybe the slight dip in form for club. But I think that's probably a collective thing rather than just individuals. All right. Well, good luck to England on Saturday, as well as the other home nations as well. Wales play Greece on Friday and France on Tuesday. And Northern Ireland will face North Macedonia twice on Thursday and on Monday. Well, that's all we've got time for on this week's Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Don't forget to check us out at The Athletic UK at Offside Rule Pod. Don't forget to download, rate and subscribe as well. Don't forget that very good subscription offer for The Athletic. Uh, Thank you to both of you. Uh, Sue Smith, where will we see you next? Oh, I'm actually going um, for a little break, actually, for a couple of days. Um, Yeah, a bit of a birthday break uh, (laughs) to the Lake District. And then I'll be on Soccer Saturday on Saturday. Very good. Well, happy birthday from us to you, Sue. Uh, And (laughs) Amy, what are you you covering next? I'll be at England on Saturday up in Sunderland. Very nice to have some games up north, actually. Um, Big fan of that. So, yeah, I'll be up there in the the freezing cold. (laughs) Well, uh, enjoy the cold. Uh, Sue, enjoy the birthday break. uh, And we'll catch you very soon. Thanks for listening to Athletic Women's Football Podcast. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with NOW. With a NOW Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. The Athletic.